0: Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklavik. Everybody, welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Tuesday, June 16th, uh, mid-June here. Um, I'm getting back into the swing of things. I was fishing all weekend in East Tennessee, uh, back to the grind here today. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed to the podcast already, uh, make sure you go on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, whichever podcast app you use. Subscribe to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff podcast so you will be alerted when new content is available. Please leave me a review. I could use some more. If you love the podcast, tell me about it. Uh, Leave some comments. If you hate the podcast, tell me about it. Leave some comments. If you think there's some room for improvement or something that I should cover that I haven't covered, let me know about that. love any feedback back uh, that uh, you may be able to provide, remember if you do need some help with your grain marketing, my subscription service is available to anyone and everyone forty nine dollars a month gets you on my morning email that goes out at six thirty central time every business day and uh, also my text message service you will know when how specifically I'm pricing corn soybeans, and wheat also things I'm doing with spreads uh, basis. Uh, Any options or futures trades, although you don't need to be a futures or options trader to subscribe and use that service. It's all included, so uh, certainly check that out if you uh, think you need some assistance. I wanted to do a discussion just about grain marketing in general here in mid-June. I'm going to go through uh, wheat, soybeans, and corn. Um, I do have some news items that I would like to touch on initially. So on Monday afternoon this week, USDA lowered their crop rating nationally for corn, and this was kind of unexpected. As a matter of fact, the majority of traders, I think, were looking for a... Un, and unchanged to improved crop rating nationally. And where we saw the big declines were in the western part of the country. Big decline in Colorado, a pretty significant decline in Nebraska. North Dakota saw a decline. South Dakota saw a decline. Kansas saw a decline. They've had some warm weather, some drier weather in some of those areas. And uh, it's taken a toll on the crop, I believe. So 71% good to excellent, that's still a good rating. And it's still above. The uh, five-year average. It was enough to rally corn early here today on Tuesday. Although, as I speak at midday, we are uh, back to unchanged. So, not necessarily the best action in the world. Now, weather moving forward is probably the more important thing. You know, the crop ratings are are old news by the time they're printed uh, in the majority of, of situations. And the weather moving forward is just kind of non-threatening. We've got nothing in terms of of. Uh, Warm temperatures were actually going to trend cooler than normal through the end of the month, the way that it looks uh, for a lot of the Corn Belt. It looks like after this next six or seven days, we're going to see some more widespread rain. So you just don't have that weather threat right now to rally the market. The next thing on my news list was ethanol, uh, which is still an enormous problem for the corn market. Now you look at at some of the charts, and I put these out in my newsletter once a week. But uh, ethanol production, ethanol stocks, and also gasoline demand, and things are going in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. Ethanol production has seen, I believe, six consecutive weeks of improvement. Ethanol stocks have declined for seven seven consecutive weeks. So we're actually. Um, where demand for ethanol is outpacing production for the time being. Gasoline demand has come back a lot, but gasoline demand here in the United States is still, as of last week, running 20% behind where it was a year ago. So the gasoline demand is not back to where it needs to be. Ethanol production is still running, I think, 24% behind where it was a year ago. So we've still got a lot of work to do in, in terms of this recovery. So we've, we've lost... Hundreds of millions of bushels of demand for corn via the ethanol industry because of this virus, because of the quarantine, because of the shutdown. That's demand that you're just not going to get back anytime soon, and that's a, a big part of the reason why, again, corn is as cheap as it is and, and why we've had a difficult time rallying, and uh, I know I've I've said that for the last several months that, that ethanol is the biggest problem, and I still think it's the biggest problem. A uh, little bit of chatter about acreage this week, so Informa, or they're called IEG Vantage now, but th- their acreage estimates and, and their crop estimates are fairly well followed by the trade and uh, they had acreage estimates for corn and soybeans out yesterday on Monday. They pegged corn acreage at 94.13 million. USDA is at 96.99, so call it 97. So they're expecting corn acreage to drop almost 3 million versus March intentions. Soybean acreage they pegged at 85.5. USDA was at 83.5 in March intentions, so they're expecting a 2 million acre increase in um Soybean acreage. So they're actually calling for an overall reduction in corn and soybean acreage versus March intentions. That's a nice idea. It is possible. It is not, however, in line with USDA's historical tendencies. The government has a tendency to increase combined consor- corn and soybean acreage from March to June. So typically, when you combine your, your corn and soybean acreage number from March, that combined number usually goes up from March to June. It's it's not typical that it goes down. So um, this could be one of those reports where the acreage number surprises people. And I've seen so many of these over the years. It's like oh, every year there's a surprise with the acreage some way, shape or form, uh, it seems like. And this year may be no different. Corn acreage does not have to drop from 97 uh, soybean acreage, I would imagine would be up from that 83, five. But what I'm saying is that, or what I'm getting at is that you may see an overall acreage increase, uh, in the two crops combined and how it's allocated. I don't know, but you do not need to see, um, flat acreage or lower combined corn and soybean acreage versus March. So, uh, we will get the update from that on that situation from USDA on June 30th here in a couple of weeks. The stock market has really been a uh, roller coaster ride. So, we started this big correction here uh, last week and into early this week. And there were some reports that coronavirus cases were increasing in some parts of the country. There were reports that. Uh, uh, there could be additional quarantine or restrictions, or we could be kind of going back in the wrong direction and then yesterday the Fed comes out and says we're going to start buying corporate bonds and the s and p the Dow Jones they totally reversed course uh started sharply lower yesterday on monday finished the day higher we're trading higher as I speak here this morning uh the Dow's up four hundred points, although it is off of the highs so It is uh, really amazing what uh, government policy and and the Fed can do when it comes to these markets. And maybe the market was headed back higher anyways, but um, it certainly seemed like that that news that the Fed would buy corporate bonds, and and I don't know that they've ever done that before. Um, I think that that has gone a long way uh, for the stock market. Crude oil market is uh, fairly strong. I mean, it's held together well, and we've still got this this situation where crude stocks are very high, but you've got this July WTI contract floating around this $36, $37 range. That's a big improvement from where we were um, a couple months ago when we bottomed out spot month futures at, uh, well, we traded negative in that deliverable contract, but I think spot month futures Got down to seven and a half bucks. So we've seen a nice recovery there. And we've also seen a nice recovery in ethanol. uh, Your July ethanol futures on the CME group are trading about a dollar and 16 cents a gallon. They were down to 79 cents a gallon at one point uh, during the, the virus in, in April, I think. So we've seen a, a pretty significant recovery there. So I, I think when it comes to these outside markets, your energies, your stock market, uh, the signs of a recovery are there. Um, it's not moving as quickly as a lot of people would like. I mean obviously when it comes to ethanol, we'd like to see this thing back to normal as soon as possible, but it's, it's just not going to go that way. It's not going to be uh, that fast. Soybean exports are interesting. We've seen a lot of sales to China recently. Yesterday, we saw another 300,000 metric tons. I think that's about 11 million bushels sold to China. And they've been a much more active buyer, especially in the new crop U.S. soybean market. You look at the uh, statistics out of Brazil, and Brazil has been an extremely active exporter in April and May. Uh, record exports of soybeans out of Brazil during those two months, which has led a lot of people to believe that. Um, Their supplies, there will be exhausted. Brazil's soybean supplies are going to become exhausted or depleted a little bit earlier this year than they would be in a normal year. And that's going to open a window for U.S. exporters maybe a little bit earlier than in a normal year. So that could be a positive. If we can keep this trade deal thing together, um, and, and (laughs) are we going to hit those trade deal targets in terms of dollar amounts? Probably not. I, I don't think so. But if, if China keeps making an effort and, um, they at least are allowing state-owned entities and, and private firms as well to buy U.S. beans tariff-free. Um, even if we could just get back to normal um, in, in terms of Chinese buying and, and not hit the targets, that would be a big positive. So I, I think that's a big positive for the soybean market. You gotta remember soybean demand, out of demand for U.S. soybeans is essentially twofold. You got a, about a half of it that's exports and about a half of it that's domestic crush. Domestic crush has been fantastic. We've seen monthly records set all, almost every month. It seems like we had a a monthly record uh, for the month of May and uh, exports are improving. So if you get both of those pieces of demand to uh, stay strong and keep it together, that's a big positive. So let's get into this grain marketing discussion. I'm not going to give you any recommendations here. I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you just my thoughts on the situation. Uh, We're going to start off with the wheat. I look at the wheat, and um, I'm I'm focusing more on the winter wheat contracts than anything. But this is a situation where uh, I talk about the funds a lot, and the funds, when you look at at what they have done in the wheat market, you go back to that period in say February into uh, March, and even into April. The funds held a pretty large. Long position historically, they were long anywhere from thirty to almost sixty thousand contracts in the SRW wheat market. I've talked about in the past how when funds get aggressively long the market, those are usually good marketing opportunities. Um, This was no exception, and I'm telling you this in hindsight. I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm doing on the podcast in real time. That's uh, how I make my living is doing that. But um, you look back at it, and and it was a pretty classic setup. We got the funds long, um, a, a historically large amount of, of wheat, and uh, that was your marketing opportunity, and now they're short the market. We're getting into harvest pressure, um, so I'm not seeing much here in wheat in terms of marketing opportunities uh, flat price. If you haven't priced your... 2020 winter wheat bushels yet, you may need to wait and see if some sort of post-harvest harvest event develops. That doesn't mean that the market can't go lower now. It certainly can. But um that would kind of be my thought there. Um that you you may see a post-harvest bounce. You could run into some uh reports of poorer yields or or something like that. I haven't heard that yet, but it's early in into harvest, so we'll see if that develops. The other thing I'm watching in wheat in terms of existing sales, and, and this is uh where a lot of money can be made. Keep an eye on the wheat spreads. So in wheat, as an example, July, Kansas City wheat, uh, July 2020 out to December 2020. There is, oh, 21 or 22 cents of carry in that spread. So if you're a wheat grower, you've got some existing 2020 uh, sales on the books, you can uh, roll those sales to December and capture 21 or 22 cents a carry. Is that a great level historically? No, uh, we've seen it better in the past in that particular spread, the, the July to December Kansas City wheat spread. But it's not bad. And if you got bin space, on-farm bin space, and you're not paying commercial storage, uh, you can probably make that work and capture a little bit of carry there. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. Not as much carry in the Chicago wheat spreads. Uh, you've only got 14 cents from July to December of 2020. And the uh, that may or may not be worth your while depending on uh, what kind of storage you have, what it costs you, uh, that sort of thing. So those are things that you need to figure out on your end. So there is some carry there, but uh, surprisingly not uh, as much as there could be necessarily. To go on to the soybean market, um, we have seen a nice recovery in soybean prices. Um, your, your July futures, your nearby July futures contract, it bottomed at $8.18 in April. We're at eight sixty-seven right now. So we've seen a a 50 cent recovery, um, I'd say that that's, that's fairly sizable. Uh, is 867 July futures necessarily a really attractive price? No, it's not. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you have maybe just a little bit of, of beans, of your old crop beans sold. And hopefully you've got a lot more than just a little bit. But if you've got some sold and you were to price July futures here at 867, you take that government payment, which is 40 something cents, it doesn't look all that bad. Now I know basis is different everywhere, and some people might say that, oh, my basis is terrible. I can't help you with that. I mean, it's a localized thing. It's it's better in some places. It's worse in other places. I'm not going to say this is a uh, a, a uh, end-all, be-all marketing opportunity in Beans. Um, the funds are long a little bit in terms of Beans, about 20,000 contracts. That's not typically what I'd like to see for a, a, a prime or, or premium marketing opportunity. But uh, this is a lot better than it was in April, I'll tell you that. Um, there is not much carry at all in the new crop soybean market. Um, November out to July of 21, uh, you've only got seven and a half cents a carry. Uh, that thing got out to 40 or 50 cents last year. So I'd probably wait on any, um, any rolling of, of new crop sales and beans. I don't think that the carry's there. That seven and a half cents isn't going to make it worth your while. In terms of new crop beans, I hope you got something sold uh, earlier or above $9. If you didn't, um, again, we've rallied off the lows. Is this a prime marketing opportunity or a premium marketing opportunity? Maybe not, but you know, using this 40, 50 cent rally to uh, add a little bit uh, may not be the worst idea in the world. I'm, I'm not, again, this is not some sort of end all be all make or break marketing opportunity right now. And, and in fact, you may still be below the cost of production. Um, but there's no guarantee that we have to be above the cost of production at any point this year. So I'm not thrilled about beans. Just like I mentioned in a previous podcast, my main concern here with these row crops with soybeans and corn is old crop bushels if you've still got old crop bushels out there i think that should be your biggest concern i'm assuming that most of you are not going to carry uh, uh 2019 bushels into the 20 20- 20 marketing year or, or past say September 1st so I'm assuming that you're going to want to have this have this stuff priced in the next two two and a half months uh, so that's my concern right now if if you're in this situation you've still got some old crop bushels around my concern is on those old crop bushels you've got to do all the math look at the numbers take those government payments into consideration if you're eligible if you have this stuff unpriced still as of January 15th according to the guidelines and uh start crunching the numbers and see if this thing works for you in in beans. I hope there's some more upside here but nothing guaranteed, of course. Uh corn market is just still in the dumpster. I mean, we're 20 cents off the low in the nearby July corn futures, but we're at $3.29 or $3.30. That's not a price that's going to get anybody excited. Even when you tack on that government payment in regard to old crop bushels, which is 30-something cents, you put your net futures price, say, up to 360-something and then subtract a basis, you're you're still not at a price that's going to be attractive to anybody. But as with soybeans, corn, um, old crop bushels of corn are my biggest concern, just like they are in beans. I think we've got a a lot of time when it comes to new crop so old crop bushels, my biggest concern. I'm assuming most of you don't want to carry these over. And uh, my goal here over the next, gosh, it's June 16th already. I mean, typically by that first week of July, you want to have a lot of this stuff priced. The problem is we don't have a weather scare. We don't have a, much of a rally. I mean, we've bounced off of the lows a little bit, but I wouldn't call it a rally by any means. The funds are still super heavy short the corn market. So there's just there's nothing here in corn that tells me that this is a marketing opportunity. The only thing that um, is of concern is time and time as it relates to old crop bushels. That's that's my biggest concern right now. Um, new crop corn is kind of interesting. You've got to take a real close look at your crop insurance situation. The spring insurance guarantee was 388 If you bought 85% coverage and you have an APH yield, it gives you a floor at $3.30 essentially. There may, depending on your insurance situation for new crop and what you priced, if anything, uh, in advance, say you priced some last year, you priced some, even, even 30, 40 cents above the market or, or hopefully something above $4. Um, there may not be much incentive for you at all to price additional new crop corn bushels, uh, depending on your insurance situation. And that's something that I can't tell you even a podcast, in a podcast or even in a phone call. You've got to talk to your crop insurance person. You've got to uh, use these numbers, punch them into your spreadsheet and see how it comes out. But um, for a lot of you and a lot of people that I've talked to and, and I've looked at the spreadsheets and seen the numbers, uh, there's not a ton of incentive for a lot of guys to price new crop corn bushels right now. On new crop corn bushels that have been priced, if you've got some December sales on the books, um, there's actually a pretty substantial amount of carry in the new crop corn spread uh, spreads. We've got half or twenty four cents of carry from December twenty out to July twenty one. So this may be um, uh, thinking uh, a few too many steps ahead, but. If you've got, say you sold December corn at $4 and you've got some of those sales on the books, you can roll them to July. If you've got bin space, pick up that 24 cents and uh, it starts to look awfully good. And again, um, just like I talked about in that Kansas City wheat example, a lot of money can be made capture and carry in these carry markets if you were able to make some good early sales. You can you can really add a lot to that if you've got the bin space and you've got the ability to store this stuff. So that's an opportunity that may be out there. Now I I had a spread discussion in this podcast before and I talked about uh the the levels that I look for. And typically in that uh December out to the following July in corn spreads, you know, that twenty five thirty cents, that's historically pretty good. And there's of course that caveat that CME did increase the storage rates, and the the spreads could really flex their muscles and get a lot wider than they have historically. So there's always that 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 chance that you may miss a whole bunch of carry by by rolling it at 24 cents right now. That's very possible. These spreads can go a lot wider uh, this year and and in the coming years than they would have in the past. But still, these are are that's not a terrible looking opportunity. And I know that that's something that's probably in the very, very back of your mind or something that you hadn't even considered, but you've always got to be watching these spreads and kind of see where things stand. So, um, old crop corn is my biggest concern. Um, we want to be done with that situation here in the next two months and new crop bushels. I'm just going to say I'm not in a hurry right now because, um, uh, based on the the numbers that i've seen the spreadsheets that i've seen the crop insurance scenarios that i've seen some of the early sales that i've had guys um make and and have seen uh there just doesn't appear to me to be a ton of incentive here right now not unless you really knock the yields out of the ballpark and we always hope that that's the case that's a great problem to have but um I just don't know if I'm seeing it. So, From a marketing standpoint, uh, to wrap this up here, uh, maybe we've got a little bit of something to work with in the soybeans when you consider uh, the 50-cent rally plus that government payment on old crop bushels. That's that's probably the the biggest thing that sticks out to me right now. Corn, I just really can't get excited about, but I'm aware that, that old crop bushels are on the clock. The wheat market, uh, I'm sorry to say, I think the best opportunity has passed, and it was When I look back at these CFTC charts, and and I put these in my newsletter uh, once a week, and I tell you where the funds are and and show you what they're doing historically, Um, it it was like clockwork back a couple months ago when they built that aggressive long position. That was the marketing opportunity, and I've talked about that quite a bit in the past. If you have any questions about this episode or any episode of this podcast, uh, shoot me an email to info with standard I will uh, reply to you directly. If you are seeking some assistance or some help with your grain marketing, if you'd like to know exactly what I'm doing in real time and uh, when I'm advising sales, when I'm advising to roll existing sales, um, sign up for my newsletter, go to standardgrain.com, click on grain marketing plan uh, that deals $49 a month. You can cancel it at any time. Um, I've had a lot of people sign up. I know that farmers, especially, and I don't blame you, uh, you don't want to be sold anything. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to bother you. If you want to call me and bother me, that's what I'm here for. But um, I've had a lot of people sign up that I've never talked to, but they've been loyal subscribers for uh, a long time now. So uh, just keep that in mind. I'm not going to try to call you and get you to open a brokerage account or anything. I know that a lot of people are worried about that because you've got salesmen breathing down your neck all day, every day, uh, it seems like from what I've heard. So um, wish everybody luck. I hope we get some more upside in the markets. I figured I'd kind of give you my two cents on the grain marketing situation right now. Everyone have a great day. Uh, Catch you later in the week.